0: I came across the story that Dr. James Dobson once told about a family in this area in the northeast. He said, or something close to this, in the bitterly cold part of winter, their car had become especially dirty. It had road salts on it and frozen slush and other wintry deposits. We all know what that's like. Conscious of the condition of their car, this family was driving down the road and came across an unusual sight. Water was gushing into the air from a broken pipe beneath the surface of a road. A work crew had arrived and was just getting set up. Simultaneously, the family concluded that this was a perfect occasion for a car wash. They pulled their car far enough forward to park under the shower of water. The road crew watched, somewhat puzzled and a little amused. Since it was still bitterly cold, they left the engine running and kept the heater going as well. In a short time, a rather unpleasant odor began to dominate throughout the car. It was about this same time that the family noticed that the water which was running down the windshield was not clear. It was not clear at all. Finally... They understood the problem. They were not parked underneath the shower of a broken water main. They were underneath the shower of a broken sewer main. (laughs) Quickly, they departed, watching the filthy matter freeze to their car in the bitter cold of that day. I'll put it to you this way. Things don't always turn out the way you expect. You know, that's true, isn't it? things don't always turn out the way we expect. What I found interesting is that when we come to the Christian life, when we get saved, things don't always turn out the way we expect. We expect sometimes, and that because we've accepted Christ, that life's just going to be perfect. That everything is going to go well for us, and that now that We've accepted Christ that there aren't really going to be any problems. There aren't going to be any difficulties. There aren't going to be any struggles. But you know the opposite's just the case. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know as well as I do that that very euphoric bubble that we tend to live in after we first get saved is burst pretty quickly. Because we've got an adversary. We have an adversary that wants to destroy all that we have just accepted in Christ. We have an adversary that, though he can't steal our soul, wants to try and ruin our lives, steal our testimony. We have an adversary that wants to keep us from serving Christ. And we have an adversary that wants to keep us from enjoying Christ. Our freedom in Christ but just because life doesn't always turn out the way we think and things aren't always the way that they seem does not mean that we as believers can't enjoy our freedom in Christ see sometimes in our Christian life things don't always turn out the way we expect but listen friend they always turn out the way God expects. Nothing catches our God by surprise. He knows exactly where you're at, and He knows exactly what we need in order to enjoy our freedom in Christ. The nation of Israel here has been experiencing slavery. They were in the land of Egypt for 430 years, and they had been experiencing slavery for over 400 years. Now they were free. They were leaving Egypt. They were leaving Pharaoh. They were leaving their hard taskmasters all behind. And I can only speculate about how they must have felt, but I believe that there was probably a great deal of excitement. I'm sure that the air was electric, that they were on uh, the verge of almost being giddy to know that, man, we're no longer underneath this bondage. There was probably a sense of anticipation, like, what's going to happen next? Or some wonder, like, I wonder where we're going to end up in the land that God has promised to us. I wonder exactly how it's going to look and how we're going to be able to enjoy that. and Oh, the freedom that we're going to have all the anticipation and wonder as they started to make their way out of the land of Egypt and into the promised land that they had been waiting for for generations a new land a new life no longer the whips on the back and the treatment of being being treated like an animal they were free They were free. The historical account of Israel's deliverance from slavery is is a picture. It's just not a historical account for us, but there are principles that we are to learn from the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the Old Testament and these characters that we have in the Old Testament are given to us for examples. They are to teach us so that we can be able to learn how to live our life in Christ. And this historical account of Israel's deliverance is a picture of a person who has been delivered from the slavery of sin and is now liberated in Christ. Isn't it wonderful to think that you don't have to carry around the backpack of sin and guilt and bondage any longer because of Christ? that when you accept that Christ as your personal Savior, that, that God took all of that from you. Oh, Satan will want to remind you of your bondage. Satan will want to uh, uh, continue to uh, try and put you underneath that bondage once again. Satan will do everything that he can to try and uh, uh, force you to live underneath the chains of sin. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're no longer under bondage. He set us free. And just like God has delivered Israel from bondage to physical freedom, God delivers all of us who come to him from the slavery of sin to the freedom that can only be found in Christ. There's a lot of ways that people try and get out from underneath their guilt, out from underneath bondage of sin, out from underneath the embarrassment and the shame that they live under. Some people try and get out from underneath that by using um, uh, drugs to be able to help medicate, if you will, uh, so that that way they can be numb towards the things that they do. Some people will use relationships. Some people will use alcohol. But but the, the, the one thing is that those things can never take away, permanently they can never take away The feelings of guilt, the feelings of shame, the feelings of of bondage, and the weight of sin. Only Christ can do that. See, and because those of us who have, have accepted Christ as our personal Savior, and because we know Christ as our personal Savior, We are to experience freedom in Christ. But now listen, just because you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior does not guarantee that you will enjoy the freedom. I want you to think about that. Because if you know Christ as your personal Savior, you're not underneath bondage any longer. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, you no longer have to feel the weight of your sin. But there are many people who know Christ as their personal Savior that have been set free in Christ but are not enjoying their freedom that is found in Christ. They're not enjoying the liberty, as Paul puts it. They're not enjoying the liberty that is found in Christ. They have no joy. So how do you know, how do you know that, that they may not be enjoying their freedom? Freedom that's found in Christ. Did not David say uh, to the Lord, Restore unto me the joy of not his salvation, but of God's salvation? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Oh, he believed in the coming Messiah. He believed that Jesus Christ would one day die on the cross. And I know that David was a a believer in the Messiah and that he trusted the Messiah. But because of sin that was in his life, he had lost that joy. He had lost the freedom, if you will, to be able to enjoy the liberty that is found in Christ. And just because you and I may know Christ, we may not always enjoy the freedom that we find in Christ. See, and what we see in this passage is that we are are being taught that every believer is to enjoy the freedom or the liberty that is found in Christ. I find three truths in this portion of Scripture that teach us about enjoying freedom in Christ. There are three truths that we can gain to be able to apply to our life. You say, Pastor, I want to enjoy God more. I don't know about you, but that's my desire. I want to enjoy God more. All right, I was expecting at least one amen. You know, I mean, do you want to enjoy God more? Good, I'm glad. I hope we're not just complacent, right? I hope that we want to enjoy God more. You know, you can't enjoy God too much. You can't be too joyful. You can't you can't desire the presence and, and of God too much. You can't want to have your uh, affections heightened for God too much. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty wicked heart, and my my heart many times will dull, will will get cold towards the things of God, will get cold towards God and and what He's doing, and I'll I'll, I'll start thinking humanistically and start looking around this world and forget that and forget to practice the presence of Christ daily in my life. My heart will get cold, and so therefore I. Will I want to enjoy God more. I want to have a revived heart. I want to love him more. I want to know him better. I want to have a deeper relationship with him. I want to practice the presence of God in my life on a daily basis. I want my affections heightened for him. Why? Because my heart will go back to bondage once again. I need to continually preach the gospel to myself that I've been set free and that I can enjoy him. there are three truths about enjoying the freedom of Christ that we need to apply to our life. First, number one this morning, freedom in Christ is enjoyed how? How can I enjoy freedom in Christ? By following God. By following God. Take a look at Exodus chapter 13 again, and we're going to read this uh, passage of Scripture again. I want you to see where I got this from. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them. You might want to highlight that. Not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God. That that was near, for God said, "'Lest, peradventure the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt.'" But God led, you might want to highlight that, the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord, take a look at this, you might want to highlight this, went before them by day in the pillar of a cloud to, you might want to highlight this, lead them lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. Take a look, verse 22, he took not away, you might want to highlight that, the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The nation of Israel is now on the move. And God is charting the course for them to follow. If you were to see, if I were to flash up here the map, you, you would be able to see how much easier, how much simpler, how much of uh, a, a more direct route going from Goshen. I mean, it was Goshen is right here, and then all you do is come basically straight across, and you can be in the promised land. Now, the Philistines were there, But, I mean, you talk about something just so simple. Goshen was here where the nation of Israel was. Remember when uh, um, Joseph was in leadership there, that when his family came, they put them in the land of Goshen, and then they go from Goshen, they could go straight across. That's not the way God led them. It was simple. It was easy. It would have been, from a human perspective, so much better But that's not the way God led them. God's charting the course. And it's interesting to note that the course that God charted wasn't a very direct route. Have you ever noticed with your plans versus God's plans? (laughs) Have you ever noticed how direct your plans are? I mean, you got step one, step two, step three, step four. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to do this, 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 this. And then uh, I get to my goal, right? You ever notice how God's God's way is? Step one. Now he gets to step two, but he instead of going from step one directly to step two, you know, like this, God usually goes step one. Step two. You say, why is that? Does God not understand that I need to get these things done? It's not God that, that, that has the problem. It's us that have the problem. See, see, we need to be the ones that have to be worked on. And so during this process, we think that we can handle all these things in life. And see, if we just do step one, step two, step three, step four, we, we, we stop depending upon God. And what we need is instead of going our own route, we need to follow God. God is charting the course. Remember, it's not your life. You didn't give life to yourself. God gave you life. Paul says, For me to live is what? Christ. For me to live is Christ. My life is made up about Christ. We don't have a right to chart our own course. The only thing that we have a right to do if we're gonna enjoy freedom in Christ is to follow the course that God has charted for us. And my friends, listen. Now listen, not every course is exactly the same. So don't compare your course to somebody else's course. As long as the courses line up with the word of God, let God direct their life the way that God has them following and you follow God's direction for your life the way God has leading you. You're never going to enjoy freedom in Christ if you don't allow God to chart the course. You would think, though, that God would want to get them away from the Egyptians as fast as possible. That God would have chosen that more direct route, but he didn't. See, God wanted to show the nation of Israel how much they really need him. And see, the reason that we need to follow God in order to enjoy our freedom in Christ is for us to be able to see how much we really do need God. See, in a, in a world that is obsessed with time-saving devices, it used to be that we would take, it would take months for people to get from one place on this earth to another. Now all we do is we pull out our phones and I can talk to my sister. I can put her on FaceTime. She's in Iowa right now, and I can talk to her face-to-face. I can talk to our missionaries that are halfway around the world, face-to-face. We're obsessed with time-saving devices, but, my friends, that's not the way God works. In reality, though, we expect God to work like FaceTime. We, we expect God to do it in, in an instant, Look, friends, God's not slow and he's not inefficient. He knows what he's doing and he's accomplishing his will and his will is being accomplished in your life right on time. But now I want you to think about it. We want the instantaneous. Let's just get real this morning. Okay, I'm bringing it down to uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. All of us want the instantaneous. Think about it. Would you rather have immediate spiritual victory or 50 years of slow, difficult, struggling battles? Be honest with yourself. Every single one of us would say, I want immediate spiritual victories. Every single one of us. And if you're saying, not me, you're a lion and you're a hypocrite and you need to get to the altar. Because I don't know about you, I want immediate spiritual victories. But man, how sweet is it when we go and we follow the chart that God has that God has laid out for us, the course that God has laid out for us and we go through the battles and we go through the struggles and we see that we can't do it in and of ourselves, and we see God do something in our life that could never be produced from human ingenuity and God does it, and we turn around and we say, blessed be the name of God and guess what we do? We fall more in love with him. You get to enjoy him more. You get the spirits more freedom of Christ because you look back over your life and say, God did it there, God did it there, God did it there, and God's going to do it here. And God's plan was to lead the nation to the promised land. But the way that he was going to lead them meant that they would have to follow if they were going to experience Freedom. It wasn't the easiest route. It definitely wasn't the fastest route. But it was the best route. See, God is teaching us that to follow the ways of God will always lead to freedom. Listen, no matter what it looks like. Friends, God's way will always lead to freedom no matter what it looks like for us. If you follow God You can count on enjoying freedom in Christ. Here's a prime example. Let me give you, and I'm not going to go into detail, but how about Joseph? From Hume's standpoint, folks, see, we have such an advantage because we read the end of the story. Joseph didn't know that. Joseph thought that he had been forgotten about after those two years. He thought he had been forgotten about. He was sold into slavery, thought that he would never see his family again. Falsely accused. Um, But what did it do? It led to freedom. He He didn't get angry at God. How do you know he didn't get angry at God? Because remember what he said to his brothers? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Why? Because he followed the chart that God had given to him. Even He wasn't even in charge of that. It seemed like uh, his brothers were in charge and dictating his life, but he kept the right heart towards God and he knew that God was in charge and he believed in a sovereign God and he trusted God's plan for his life. And he realized that no matter what anybody did to him, it didn't matter because God was still in control. So I can follow God, I can trust God, and I can enjoy the freedom that I have in Christ. How about the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. No, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. No. Our God's going to deliver us. And then they said, but if not, we're still not going to bow down. From a human standpoint, folks, I don't know about you, but I've touched fire before. I'm not too smart. I've touched fire before. I remember when I was a child, my my uh, mom, they had, she had an electric stove. I love color. I'm attracted to color. I love bright colors. I just love color. I'm attracted to very bright colors. Bright orange, man, like that hot pink thing. Oh, man, I love it, you know. Just love bright colors. Well, the electric stove, it gets pretty red, it's pretty bright. And I remember my mom, I don't remember that, but she told me about it. She told me, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. Remember, I told you, I'm not too bright. What did I do? I touched the stove. The point is, that wasn't even fire. That was just uh, electric, heat, and that burnt pretty bad. I don't know about you, I, I don't know anybody, Down throughout history, other than the three Hebrew children, That God charted their course for that way because they were being obedient to God. They were being obedient to God and someone else was trying to destroy their life, but they continued to be obedient to God, to follow God, not deny God, to be able to continue to walk with him. And what did they do? They end up in a fiery furnace. I don't know of anyone throughout history who has ever been thrown into a fiery furnace that has ever survived it except for those three guys, but it was God's course for them and they followed it and God delivered them. It doesn't look humanly possible. It doesn't seem humanly possible. What about Daniel and the lions then? No, I'm going to continue to pray to my God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to open up my my windows. I can't help but Daniel. Didn't probably, he probably said, "You know what? I'm even going to pray louder, just to make sure they know that I'm praying to the one true God." I'm not going to stop praying to my God. Who does this Nebuchadnezzar think? See, we give more credit to physical powers than we do to the the, the all-powerful. Don't tell me those lions weren't hungry because you know after Daniel got released from the lion's den, what happened? They threw those other folks in there and they had a golden corral buffet. They ate good. What am I telling you? What am I trying to get you to understand? That though God's way is not always the easiest, not always the fastest, it's the best route. Follow God and you'll enjoy freedom in Christ. But how does God lead us? I want you to take a look here in Exodus chapter 13, verses 22, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people this is how god leads us there's two pillars that are mentioned here in this portion of scripture i believe and i'm not going to i'm not going to have a, a spiritual argument with someone who may not believe the same way i do but i believe that Those two pillars, they represent something. I believe they represent the Word of God and the presence of God. You say, well, how do you get that? He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. Well, what does the Bible say about God's Word? The Word of God gives us light, what? To guide our path. The Word of God, it lights our way, it gives us light to our paths. And then it talks about the pillar of cloud by day. What is that? That was showing God's presence was with them, that he was guiding them, that he was directing them. How does God lead us? God leads us through his word and through his presence. See, my friends, this is what I want you to think of this morning. Please don't say that you're following God. Oh, I'm following God, Pastor if you're not willing to be submitted unto his word. We can't say we're following God if we're not submitted unto the word of God because that's how he leads us. He leads us through his his word and he guides us through his word and his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. What? That I might not sin against thee. It is the word of God that directs us and leads us and it's through his precious Holy Spirit that his presence that that speaks to a truth into our heart and to our life from his word. So many times we'll say, Pastor, I could give an invitation right now. How many are following God? Oh yeah, I'm following God. Let me ask you a question. How uh, How many of us are all submitted to the word of God? Well, wait a second. Are we submitted to the word of God when it comes to our giving? Oh, well, well, well Pat, come up. <laughs> Pastor, you don't understand my circumstance. If you're ever going to enjoy freedom in Christ, you've got to follow God's chart. You've got to follow the way God's charted it out for us. No, I may not understand your circumstance, but God does, and He wants to show Himself strong in your life. You know, Pastor, I can't give. No, no, let's, I just want to be as kind as possible, I don't want to be mean. It's not that we can't give, it's that we won't give. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. But this is what the Bible has to say. and I want to follow God's will for my life, and, and, and I want to enjoy the freedom that I have in Christ. How about what the Bible says about to serve? Oh, Pastor, you know, I, I, just, don't, I just don't have... Uh, many abilities and talents, and I, I just don't have the time to serve. You know, when I, I get, when I get to retirement, then I'm going to be able to serve. How many of you in retirement find that you're busier now than you were when you were working full-time? Yeah, all right. Can I get a witness, right? Yeah. I see all these retired folks, and I'm talking to them, and they're running here, running there, going on. They're all over the place. You say, where are they running? Doctors. They go to doctors all the time. <laughs> yeah, more doctor's appointments than Carter has liver pills, you know? I mean... <laughs> They got doctors and doctors and got a doctor for this. I got a doctor for my big toe and my pinky toe. I got, I mean, they're running all over the place. I just don't have time to serve, pastor. Well, I was, I tell you what, I've just been so hurt in another church, and I'm sorry about that. Listen, our church isn't perfect. We're glad that you're here. Our church is not perfect. I tell you, our church would be perfect if I wasn't the pastor, okay? I am the problem, Okay. If they had a better pastor, it'd be a better church. But look, the simple fact of the matter is that our church isn't perfect. And I know some of you have been hurt. But guess what? You're in this local assembly, and it says that you're supposed to serve here. You say, well, pastor, I I just don't know. I know. How about this? Yeah, I, I want to enjoy freedom in Christ, Pastor. I want to follow God's uh, plan for my life and how he's charted it out. The Bible says that we're supposed to be sharing the gospel. Oh, Pastor, I, I, I get fearful when I, when I share the gospel. I just, I just don't know. It, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I know. It was amazing. I was on a plane to Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. <laughs> You say, what were you doing in Las Vegas? I was trying to raise money for the parking lot. <laughs> Just going to be straight up with you. <laughs> Red 13. <laughs> you know. You say, how do you know that? My dad and mom taught that to me. <laughs> I was going to tithe off of it, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was out there for a conference and I was sitting by a man. Who lives right in this area? His family lives in this area. It was amazing. So I was sitting next to a man. I said I was praying. While I was sitting next to the Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with him. Lord, open up the door. I didn't want to force anything, you know. I didn't want to, but Lord, just give me an opportunity to at least speak the gospel to this man or, or share a couple verses with him or something. And uh, let me tell you something. It, it can that be a little bit nerve wracking. You don't even know these people. Well, this guy liked to talk, so that was great. And he came from a different background than, than what we are here. And he came from a background of works. But you get saved by your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds. And God opened up the door, and I was able to, to walk through. I was able to open up my Bible and walk through the plan of salvation with him. Could that be? I was thinking about, man, I wonder what I started to think about. I wonder if anybody's going to overhear me and what they're going to say. And then as quickly as I thought that, I said, I don't care. I don't care. Because maybe they'll get the gospel too. You say, Pastor, how did you do that? Well, I just asked the Lord and he opened up the opportunity and I was trying to be obedient to follow Christ. I wish I could say that every time. I've always done that. I can't just like you can. not But friends, if we're going to experience freedom in Christ, we've got to follow the word of God. That's the chart that God has planned for us. Let me ask you something. Are you enjoying the freedom that you have in Christ? How can I quantify that, Pastor? Are you submitted unto the word of God? He led them, a pillar of cloud by day, his presence. And a pillar of fire by night, his word. You say, well, what about his presence? Don't ignore the promptings of God. When God prompts you to do something, don't ignore it. Are you enjoying the freedom that you have in Christ?